A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing working after hours in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first, time for the daily stand-up. I'm ready for it, Frank. So, Derek, on Sunday, I did something that I've never done before. (laughs) Something that was so out of character that quite literally, had Tommy Lee Jones been seeking me out for the murder that I did not commit... They would have been checking every outhouse (laughs) and hen house, and they would Uh have gone right past this, saying, there's absolutely no way in hell Frank Eastman is in there. Was it the gym? No. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, that that seems rude after the fuck you, too. (laughs) You you can go to hell. (laughs) All right. All right. So we have, uh, we have Jim. Um, we have church. You're closer than you would think. Okay. Um, all right. I don't, I don't know what else I could get that was close to church, but not church. So, uh, go ahead and spill the beans. Where were you, Frank? A Christian comedy tour. A Christian comedy tour. Oh yes. my god. Okay. Like oh at so are we the talk- Christian school. Wow. Um okay. So like are these recent comedy like comedy folks or are these oh, yeah. like, older comedians? No, 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 no. They're all uh I would say twenties to you know, mid to late thirties. Wow. Uh, Hotly popular YouTube personalities. Christian comedians that are hot YouTube personalities. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised, too. Those are not words that I expected to go together. I I guess, I guess, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, (laughs) the thing is, like, it's kind of like the vegan craze. Like, you know, and I am a, I am a former, like, Southern Baptist, like, christian camp kid so like this is coming from a place of experience uh just like the vegans the christians have a christian version of everything so uh, i've I've come to understand that like i i I don't i have not witnessed it because this is not how i grew up um (laughs) but yeah i didn't i didn't realize the depth to which there was just a christian whatever Uh uh-huh like christian rap that was being yeah. played. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Um, K- 
KJ52. Uh, God, what is the old guy? Uh, I think his name might have been T-Bone or something from way back in the day. Uh, I, there, there are tons of them, and they're all escaping me. But I could probably, if you gave me enough time, I could probably name like five or six like oh, Christian man. rap groups. <laughs> there was there was Christian EDM getting everybody pumped before the show. You know, to be honest, I I am sad because like like when I you know when I was growing up, like we had like Christian rock and stuff like that. Like so, you had like uh, Third Day, uh, uh, DC Talk, things like that. Um, they had like Switchfoot back when they were you know more Christian than anything. Uh, so you had like Christian rock, but honestly, I don't think any of them ever exceeded like Nickelback quality, which is really disappointing. <laughs> um, there, there are actually a couple of hardcore bands that, that went close. Like under oath was a, a Christian band for a while, um, until, you know, some schisms and things like that. Uh, but they did a good job for a while, but yeah, like all the rest of them were just kind of <laughs> Nickelback esque quality so that that was disappointing and i i wish that there had been like edm i mean because obviously it was like it was like the 90s so there was like techno and shit like that but not really uh anything that the christians would embrace it was still it was still in its infancy they had to figure out how they could put a christian spin on it <laughs> so oh i mean they got a spin on it it was <laughs> jesus <laughs> It's like I was there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh it was God. it was wild. I was I was like standing in a different room and I could dimly hear the music and I was like, "Man, this is a lot more hype than I was figuring, you know, was going to be, you know, here for this." Right. And uh, then I <laughs> sort of stopped to listen to the lyrics that were coming in every once in a while and I was like, Oh, okay. It's getting <laughs> hype for the Lord. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like getting hyphy for the Lord. My goodness. <laughs> and like this shit, when I was like, I've got an in on a sold out show. That is not what I thought you fucking meant. <laughs> oh boy. I, I knew that you had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. But like... <sighs> The place seats, um, the place seats, I want to say 1400. Uh huh. And the promoter, being as promoters be, was like, fuck your 1400. We're going to put 1600 souls oh, in these seats. And they were like, because Jesus, Jesus ain't never turned nobody away. <laughs> in which seats? When we said we had fourteen hundred seats, that was the number of fucking seats we had, dude. <laughs> this is not like the miracle. You cannot turn, you know, the three three fish and five loaves of bread into two hundred more seats for for Christian asses. Derek, anything is possible through the Lord. <laughs> Also, a bunch of texts, like, disassembling shit and taking it right. out of the building. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, just moving, like, flat table space and putting in, like, foldable chairs and shit like that. I mean, they were oh. there was legit, like, some back protocols for where are we going to put 
the people who might need the handicap seating when we have uh-huh. given away the handicap seating <laughs> to all the non-handicapped people that are going to show up. Right. Hmm. So it was, it was lit. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. They were so, all so real how, excited. How was the comedy? If, if completely just unbiased opinion, how was the comedy? It was a valuable experience, Derek. I'll note you didn't say good. So we'll continue on from there. <laughs> it, uh, no, I mean, some of it was good. Some of it, you know, elicited from me a hearty chuckle, a chortle uh-huh. here and there. <laughs> some of it was like the straight up old bullshit that I was expecting. Uh huh. You know, when there's like a 32 year old, they're like millennials. How oh, about God. them? Oh. No, you know, like he had this whole running bit like shit. Well, no, it was not even fellow kids. He's just like, you know, millennials ain't real men. And I'm like, let me do the math here. (sighs) I am pretty sure you're a millennial. Right. You know, but it was all one of those things like I'm going to take the piss out of millennials, get a good (laughs) number of chuckles from the 50 to 60 crowd that is is in fairly high uh, proportion in the audience. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he can defend it with, you know, it applies to me, too. Look at me. I'm a chuckle fuck. Not saying chuckle fuck, of course, because of course we're not going not. to profane here in not necessarily the house of the Lord, but a house that the Lord built. <laughs> the substitute house of the Lord. <laughs> the but temporary lean-to of the Lord. It was, wherein I was we will perform comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just interesting though to to sort of be there and experience the the good like the solid comedy chops that were on evidence, I will give mm-hmm. them, you know, their due. Like some of it was funny. Right. And I was like, that's funny. That's pretty good. But then some of it was <laughs> right wing funny oh, in, no. in a way that I was Uh-oh. expecting. Like, yeah, but even some of the right wing funny shit was like, mm, all right, I'm going to laugh because everything's comedy <laughs> when you, you know, time plus distance. And, and, and dude, you were, you were way behind enemy lines at that point. So like, you kind of had to laugh. Like I get, I get the, uh, you know, I, I need to act like I belong here else they, they realize no, the, I was... the demon person I am and this will be the end of their ceremony is sacrificing <laughs> me unto the Lord. <laughs> I, I have infiltrated their cult. I was deep in disguise. I was not I was not necessarily in disguise as part of the the chosen people. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I was definitely in disguise so that I could uh, walk among them without being seen. <laughs> Although, although literally all I had to do was just put on my patriarchy face. (laughs) Like, no, legit. Tall, white, beard, going gray. I could have done anything I wanted anywhere in the building. And everyone would have been like, well, obviously he knows what he's doing. (laughs) He should do whatever it is that he's doing. 
And honestly, if you have like a guitar and a couple of fancy like leather bracelets, uh, you could pass for like a youth minister until they started talking to you. Um, but I mean, you could do you could take a pretty good run at it for a little while. Because, I mean, I had some youth ministers back in the day that were very much so, like, trying to uh, trying to toe the line between, like, secular and <laughs> what uh, what the Christians uh, in my church would would be down for. And, uh, yeah, they, they had, you know, some mixture of, like, shaved and or spiked hair, uh, goatees, like, uh, honestly... I'm I'm thinking about it more, and I think the Nickelback comparison is even better than I thought, because like if you expand like Nickelback out to like other bands that are like similar in nature, uh, I think you cover pretty much all of the appearances that a youth minister could have, and uh, <laughs> I think you fall into one of those. All of mine, uh, pretty much, if you combine Nickelback and Lincoln Lincoln Park and uh, their general aesthetics, every one of my youth ministers fell into one of those. Maybe maybe I'm I'm on to something. Maybe I can start doing this. I'll be like, "Hey guys, has the Lord slid up in your DMs lately?" Oh my god! Oh my skin is crawling. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> and and Frank, look, I I think I think you can do better, Frank. Just being honest. I'm I'm sitting over here trying to figure out how I can use the eggplant emoji for God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm just going to be texting people like you up DTP down to pray. Oh god. Uh uh, oh, it was it was a pretty good experience. Oh, my skin <laughs> got, is literally crawling because I this can is the feel your soul both, leaving your body. This is this is the the convergence of like somebody who is outside of the uh, the youthscape trying to be of the youthscape, but also trying to combine it with Jesus. Like that is evoking some deep seated repressed feelings <laughs> that I am not. Not really fond of of dredging up right now. Um, I'm God. over here trying to figure out how I can do vaporwave veggie tails. Just Frank, fucking Google it. It's already done. Is you it? cannot. You cannot <laughs> tell me because things like veggie tails has been going for like 20 years. I am sure that now it, that it is 2018, they have done something that is electronica or something. I just they looked it up, Derek. Have. It's called Church Wave, and it exists. Oh, my God. I don't know whether to feel validated or depressed. This is the best thing. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know I'm going to go look it up later just to see. Because, like, I have such, like, a deep backlog of, like, a, a deep store of, like, old Christian songs that, that I still remember. Um, and I will, I will be able to be a wonderful, uh, litmus test to, <laughs> to whether or not it has improved over the years. Cause the thing is like, I know that some of the people that some of the comedians that do Christian stuff, some of the, the musicians that do Christian stuff are legitimately good at what they do. The problem is, is that once you, you know, once you slap 
you know, the, the Christianity part to it, there's something about it that makes people forget how to do it well. Like, getting your message across is one thing, but like, just the fact that it that it becomes, you know, it, it has this extra tag of Christian on it, it automatically makes people forget how to do the thing they knew how to do. Like that that is what I think is truly weird about it. And I didn't it's it's not it's not funny. It's just like that is something that has bugged me for twenty five years. Like why is that that way? Like it I don't know. It sucks that. all the authenticity out of it. For yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Most most of it's just performative. And when people are going through the motions in a performative manner, the soul gets lost, which, if you think about it contextually, (laughs) I'm going to feed on the irony for months. The, the The last thought I have about all this is that I am just so fucking surprised that uh, you didn't burst into flames. No, but as I said, as I said, it was, it was illuminatory. It, it was not bad all the way through, which was my hope. I did not go into it like, (laughs) man, I hope this sucks all the way down. Okay. okay. No, no, I was, I was honestly hoping because I love new experiences and it was definitely an experience (laughs) that I was not going to have otherwise sought out on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to put a damper on your, uh, you adding to your plethora of experiences in life. I'm just saying, maybe this one wasn't the, the thing to, to waste your evening on. I don't know. <laughs> if I don't make it as a podcaster for, you know, filthy office comedy, I might decide to go ahead and switch. I'll do some church wave and then I'll do some Christian comedy. Frank. I'm just going to tell you, if you try to do that, I got so much recorded material, I'd out you out in a second. I would rat you out to whoever would would, would buy the info from me. Oh, anyway, <laughs> let's get let's get to the deep dive before I have some sort of existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Today on the deep dive, we're going to talk about working after hours. All of us at one point in our career or another will have a reason to work after hours, whether it be at the quote-unquote request of a manager or because a deadline dictates it. How upper management responds can make all the difference between it being a mild inconvenience and the straw that breaks the camel's back. Frank, in your opinion, is working after hours just an occasional hazard of the software career or should it always be seen as a sign of a bad process? (sighs) For me, like my firm position at this point is that if I've got people staying late, a bunch of people have fucked up deeply beforehand to get us there. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's a thing that has to happen. It is a failure to plan and it should be discouraged. I am not the the person who's the first, first guy in line to be like, well, we're going to have to stay here till Saturday. Because, yeah, you fucked up. Like, making everybody else pay for the fact that you fucked up. Right. I'm I'm not a huge, big fan of that. Now, sometimes, like, I'll put it to people, you know, like, all right, this isn't going to get done unless a bunch of people stay, so what do you guys want to do? Mm. And if it's the folks who need, you know, who, who want to do the work, who need to do the work, then okay. 
but right. at no point am I going to be like, we're staying until this gets done. Like, five o'clock yeah. rolls around, I'm like, man, I guess that sucks. If you guys want to yeah, stay, then we can stay. I, I feel like you've been in this position on... In in a number of scenarios, because I know that you know towards the beginning of uh, us you know making the podcast, we were um, talking about how you would like roll around with the uh, the cart uh, of beer to kind of help people um, keep the morale up as they were like working after hours and long hours and shit like that. So I I feel like that's kind of uh, maybe a, a point in your career when you were willing to be the you know the the whip to. Yeah, you know, for upper management to make people to you know stay a little longer and and work a little harder. Um, whereas you know in the past few years, I feel you kind of made a shift um, to possibly you know instead of instead of letting that behavior continue, uh, pushing back on it in order to correct the behavior. Uh, does that sound like a pretty decent summary of your your uh, trajectory through it? I mean, as I climb up, you know, I'm put more and more in a position where I can help prevent these sort of things. I've never been right. like an advocate or like, uh, and for all that I seem to be the enforcer and, and sometimes have to be the enforcer, as far as shit like that goes, I was never the enforcer. Like mm -hmm. early on in my career, when I worked for some deeply deeply dysfunctional organizations where shit like this happened all the time. If, if my team had to stay late to get some bullshit done and there was literally absolutely nothing I could do to assist, I would still stay. I would be right. ordering dinner. I would be bringing around the beer cart. I would be going and rifling through, you know, the cabinets in the back of the office somewhere that I knew where the drinks were kept. And then I'd be bringing Fresh. shit forward. <laughs> right. You know, like, I, if I could help, even in those small, stupid ways, even if just, you know, being there, not not having anything right. to do, but just physically being present and being like, all right, you guys have to stay, I'm going to stay. Right. And and to be honest, like, that makes a, a much larger difference than, than one might think. Um, because I've, I've been on, you know, I, for half of my career, I've been a you know, just a software developer. The other half, I was a manager. Um, and you know, the, the first like three or four years where I was you know, just a lowly developer that kind of got, got shit on from time to time because of, you know, bad, uh, bad commitments or bad planning or something like that. And we had to stay late or work overtime and I was always salaried. So I didn't ever actually get overtime pay. It was just overtime work. You know, I, I had multiple instances where my manager would, um, say, okay, uh, we have to get this done. It's five o'clock. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Um, leaving us to work late into the night. Um, and I've also had a couple of instances where it's like, okay, we, we absolutely have to get this done because of, of something that's out of our control. Me as your manager, I'm going to stay and either like, like you did, like provide concessions, uh, and you know, run, make run into the vending machine or just literally stay because, you're being asked to do it. I'm going to stay too. Um, now, you know, as I said, the farther I get up, organizationally speaking, the more that I can fight against this kind of thing. And sometimes I have gone home, but that's when, like, my position has been, fuck this. Like, mm -hmm. we're not, we don't need to stay late. I'm not going to stay late. 
and what you guys decide to do is on you right then i will i will go home and that's more like again that's to me to some extent that's me providing leadership strangely enough like and providing an out yeah like i'm willing to to take it on for the team that if everybody on the team wants to go the fuck home because you know this emergency was not their problem and it's it's especially when it's not an emergency when it's like right oh we promised somebody something that we shouldn't have promised for an internal you know client or something so we're, we're gonna piss off one of the vps and my position on it is <laughs> that's real sad right how he's going to be <laughs> real sad about that but the fact that you promised some shit that you couldn't deliver makes not no my problem yep <laughs> and so i'm you know i'm the one willing to go home at that point and if there's three people who are like no we'll stay we'll stay and we'll make sure that this gets done so this guy who doesn't really give a fuck is going to still not give a fuck tomorrow yeah there is a fine line to walk on that because because like you said like if you encourage people you know, from a leadership position it's like okay we are all going home we we are not on the hook for this we don't need to we don't need to break our backs to do this uh if you say that to your people and you know some of your people are of the type that that it doesn't matter like day or night they're going to work to get it done yeah sometimes you're just going to end up with that person who you know they're going to complain about the after hours work that comes up constantly right but they're also the first person to like give in to any slight demand that comes in from management <laughs> and, and it right. becomes obvious you know that it's like uh this guy gets off on on you know coming in riding to the rescue sort of at the last <laughs> second <laughs> it's like oh tell me again how you want me to work after hours oh <laughs> sorry that was inappropriate i just <laughs> <laughs> It's just you, you you see a lot of guys like that that they like you said they it's weird like they they bitch about all the time that they have to work after hours but they will be the first ones to speak up and say I will you know I will do this I will I'll be the one to tackle this and stay late uh so they just kind of create their own misery that they can then be miserable about and it ke- continues to fuel whatever fire is burning deep in their loins so <laughs> more power to them Okay, so we know that some people are just going to to work after hours no matter what. So let me ask this: uh, when it when it does start to affect morale, you know, obviously do whatever you can to prevent it from happening by uh, communicating better with upper management, uh, determining if there's problem with upper management that's keeping plans from panning out correctly. Uh, work on your process, things like that. But if something happens and you absolutely have to work after hours and it's tanking morale. Uh, what can be done to make amends to the affected employees? I mean, like, not not the best, but I've, as I said before, I've literally just plied everybody with alcohol. Right. It's a lot easier for everybody to stay late when it becomes a drinking party, and then your job sort of as the project manager is on the DL trying to maintain that equilibrium between <laughs> successful coding and... <laughs> People are getting hammered on work time. Right, right. You have to you have to start weighing that balance of uh okay, Jimmy, uh he's he's had 
know, two pours of whiskey. Let's switch and switch them out with a, uh, a 4% lager. Uh, you know, Karen over there, she's been going on the, uh, the yingling. Um, she could probably turn it up a little bit more. So let's switch her to a high gravity beer. Um, so you go and you, you, you keep track of, uh, of how much buzz people have got going on and keep it within a certain boundary. Who knew that being a project manager and being a bartender were sometimes the same thing? (laughs) Uh, What was the what was the most creative way that you have seen a a boss make up for people working so much after hours? The thing is, it usually wasn't creative, like high enough up boss doesn't give a fuck in in the kind of dysfunctional organization that involves people working late a lot. What I would see is the people who knew where um, the people who knew where the wheels got greased. Uh huh. They would recompense things when people pulled their asses out of the fire. So it's like you know the VP or whatever. He doesn't give a shit. He's like, you need to deliver it because you told me it was going to be Tuesday. Right. And it's like, well. No, you said it was going to be Tuesday, and then you didn't take everyone's strangled protests as a no. (laughs) Right. But then, like, account people or project managers or whatever would would end up coming together to to get, like, gift cards, especially to restaurants and stuff. Those usually went over well. Uh, Just sort of little thank you notes and thank you rewards going to the people who have to stay late. Honestly, that that was probably going to be mine, too, because uh, I don't think I've had a whole lot of, like, super creative ways uh, of people making up for, you know, working after hours. Uh, but the one that kind of stood out to me is that, you know, we were um, we were a team of production support engineers. Like, uh, essentially, if, if things started going to shit, we would be all hands on deck as, lo- as long as it took to get things fixed. If it was a data problem, it could be well into the night when it was fixed. Well, we had one... Uh, you know, week where we essentially had like, it was a mixture of a bug bash and, uh, just having to fix a lot of stuff that had broken down. And so we were staying late into the night. I think, uh, in a, from a normal 40 hour work week, that wouldn't turn into like a 60 hour plus work week. So, I mean, we were all, we were all really tired. Um, so on Friday for lunch, uh, essentially our boss took us out to, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure lots of people know, uh, what the cheesecake factory is. Um, it was probably the nicest, uh, the, one of the nicest places in the area, which is, I mean, that's saying something, I guess. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so basically they, they took us there and they said, uh, you know, whatever you guys want with uh, under like 40 bucks, like just go nuts. Um, and that was the first time <laughs> that I'd ever been taken a cheesecake. Right. <laughs> I, I think uh, for that much, I was able to get a 12 ounce ribeye. I was able to get like, uh, you know, split, like uh, some of us pitched in together collectively to get like a couple of really kick ass appetizers and stuff like that. Got a piece of cheesecake. And this was like right out of college. Like this is my, this is my, my first, my second job technically. Um, but it's the first one that I didn't have while I was in college. So it really felt like a big boy thing where it's like, it's like, oh man, my boss is telling me to just like go nuts because we did something good. Like I will say like, I have never had a steak taste that good. 
because it was... Because you it, worked for it, Derek. I know that sounds cheesy and stupid, but yes, like for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, we we as a team made this happen and we just, you know, now we're out reaping the rewards of it. It's not much like, I mean, we probably saved them like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, uh, so $40 they could pitch in, get you $40 worth of cheesecake factory. <laughs> So, uh, I'm not saying that it was quite comparable, but at the time it made up for that week of hell. Um, I I will say it takes a lot more than that nowadays. Oh my God. If you put, if you make me work 60 hour work weeks, Jesus Christ, you better have something expensive in your back pocket. Oh man. Um, $60 at Cheesecake Factory. Um, I would say if, if they were willing to take us to Ruth's Chris or something where like we can expect like $120, uh, per person, then I might be okay with that. But until now, then <laughs> the, the same place, because you know, that's kind of a common thing. So I have been to one of those high end steak places like that. Uh huh. The chop house as they call it. And I remember walking house. walking in and I was looking at the menu and there was a um there was an appetizer that was called like the Tower of Seafood and it was oh. $90. Oh, you can't not get that. Well, like I was sitting there looking at it cuz I wasn't the person in charge of ordering. This was very early on in my career and I opened mm. up the menu and that was the first thing I looked at and that was when I knew that <laughs> You know, on my fresh out of college budget that I was in a place that I should not be. It was one of those. It was one of those things where I was new enough that I was like to the person next to me kind of going. So they're picking up this check, right? Because (laughs) you had to make sure I had had to to make make sure sure. you did. I had to make sure because I was like, I don't know if I can afford a glass of water. Even if they have to go get me a, some tap water, I think it will cost too much. Like, <laughs> and I and I looked at like this how much ninety for the dollar toilet water. <laughs> how much? How much for your uh, from the bathroom tap? Um, <laughs> and and my thinking was, I looked at this appetizer, and to me, this appetizer represented like <laughs> ridiculous over expenditure. Like, I was like, who the fuck is going to get something called the Tower of Seafood for Uh 90 fucking dollars? And then the guy that we were there with was like, "Mm, I think we'll start with the Tower of Seafood. (laughs) (laughs) Answered your own fucking question. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God, this is this is going to be an uncomfortable meal for me. Isn't that just terrifying to like sit down? Uh, I forget where I was. I, I went, I went to a convention with a bunch of like people that I that were way out of my league as far as like money that they brought in, and to sit down and and for them to like look at the menu and not bat an eye, and for me to like look at the menu and have to calculate like whether or not I would have enough money to get home, like. <laughs> That is a that is a terrifying terrifying place to be. I can have one appetizer 
and the tap water from the bathroom. Uh-huh. And I might still be able to make rent this month, but I'm definitely walking home. <laughs> that is one thing that is for sure. The, the I'm sky... selling a fucking kidney in the parking lot. <laughs> Airplanes are not in my future <laughs> for the trip home. <laughs> oh, God. All right. You want to hit a question from the audience? Yeah. Let's hit an audience question. What do you do with those assholes that spend what seems like all day riding up and down the elevator, practicing their elevator pitch? Come on, guys. Some of us don't want to take six flights of stairs to avoid an awkward encounter. Sent in by Mischief and Montpellier. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I haven't worked in a whole lot of, like, advertising firms or... uh, or places where this happens a lot, but it has happened a couple of times. That is, that is so fucking uncomfortable. Uh, Frank, I'll let you start because you did work in an ad agency. Uh, <sighs> you have to have a good story about this one. Honestly, I, I don't because at, at the agency, well, the agency I worked with was small enough that we didn't have an elevator that went most anywhere. And so uh-huh. it was all, everybody just took the stairs cause there was like a giant ornate staircase and then like the elevator was around the corner. Right. So it wasn't a big office building where, you know, you could trap people for 30 to 40 seconds while you're practicing your, um, your elevator pitch. Yeah. And we, we don't have a whole lot of buildings, uh, in the area that are more than like four or five stories tall. So it's not like, you know, we work in these skyscrapers that are like 20, 30 stories. So uh, that that makes a big difference in in how long they can corner you. Yeah, our current office has problems with the elevators. Like they keep breaking down. So I could see someone doing this to like people they get stuck in the <laughs> elevator with. Right. But I'm pretty yeah. sure that is a legal defense for murder. Absolutely. And and I I am actually surprised that I have a better story than you. Uh, that in, in the current office that we work at, which is, you know, about four floors. So not, not terribly tall. Um, you know, I, I can't really recall having, uh, cause, cause honestly, I don't, I don't look like the type of person you would make an elevator pitch to. Like, I don't look like I control money or, or anything. Uh, so like, <laughs> do why I look would like you get... I make decisions? Right. Ex- ex- I mean, exactly. Like, do I look like I make decisions? And for a lot of my career, I don't think I have. But, you know, I've been upping my game in the last few months, uh, you know, getting you know better haircut, uh, you know, putting more work into my clothes, you know, to my, you know, uh, you know, dress shirts and things like that, uh, you know, being much more festive and, and, and kind of preening a little more than I, I normally would. And about like a month ago or so, uh, there was this woman that was standing outside the building uh, when I was walking into work. And so I, I kind of, you know, nodded to her, you know, just walked past her, just said, said hello, just like I do to everybody. And uh, she started kind of matching pace with me as we were walking towards the elevator. And I'm like, uh, okay, like, because I mean, she was standing outside, like she was not like walking in at the same time I was, she was standing outside. Um and so she stops me for a second as we're about to get on the elevator. And she's like, uh, you know, which company do you work for? And I said, you know, I work for this company. And she's like, uh, do you know who does their vending machines? And I'm like, well, no, I, I'm not really sure. You, know, you can go to the fourth floor and 
we can talk to him and you know she she was like you know do you like good snacks and stuff like that so she's trying to make this this uh elevator pitch to me and we, we I, I take her up to the fourth floor to <laughs> pass her off to somebody else and so I realized after, so you know, we, we talked about it for a little bit longer. I passed her off to the the person at the front desk, went back to my desk, and a good five minutes later, it hits me. She preyed upon me because I'm a fat guy who knows <laughs> about the snack machines. You look I like have, a likely mark. I have never felt so like just red to filth. As I did in that moment, because I mean, I would have been more—I would have been more upset if she was wrong. She was right. I—I I have frequented the uh, the vending machines more than a lot of other people, but no, I don't. I don't know. Wh- she literally asked, like, where all the vending machines that we owned are. Uh, what was in them? I'm like, I know most of what you're asking, but I'm mad that I do. <laughs> Why are you asking me? You you are making me feel real bad. Like and I was I was targeted because I'm a portly gentleman uh that she assumed would know about the vending machines. So this fatty um, knows where every Frito in the building is. She thought I did. Man, I like like I said, that that is the only only real like elevator pitch that I can remember. And the first one that I get, of course, is because I'm a fat guy. <sighs> <sighs> See, she would have been, uh, she would have been sorely disappointed had she got me since I'm on that low carb diet. She'd have been like, what kind of snacks do you get out of the vending machine? And I'm like, mm, I don't go to the vending machine. Well, the, the one, on the, yeah, there's, there's one that sells those, uh, the, those combination packages of salami and cheese. <laughs> that's it. That's the, that's the only thing that you get out of the vending machines. Those things. Oh, see, I didn't even know that that was there. I just assumed that the vending machines contained nothing for me. No, the, the, on the fourth floor, they have uh, very expensive, uh, very expensive beef jerky, and then those little packs of uh, cheese and, pe- and pepperoni or whatever. Um, can we talk about that for a second? About how like people are talking about investing in gold. Uh, people should invest in fucking beef jerky because. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that shit is like dollars an ounce. Like there are very few meat products that I will even consider purchasing at dollars per ounce. Um, filet mignon, yes, I'm for it. Uh, it beef jerky, I I will still buy it. But, what but is every time beef I do, jerky, if not dry filet mignon, if it was dry filet mignon, I would be happy. Uh, but it is not. It is like dried, like shoulder roast and shit like that. Monsieur Jacques Link has (laughs) the steak nuggets. (laughs) Oh, his definition of steak is very loose. Um, I feel I've get, I've gotten us off topic and I'm sorry. Um, back to the question at hand, I will say that, that that would be very that would be a very difficult situation if, if like I knew that somebody was in the elevators, like just kind of like preying upon people as they going up, up and down the elevators. The, the, the question after said, you know, forcing everybody to take the stairs. Um, I don't think they understand like how much I hate the stairs. So like I'll put up with a lot. 
Like, unless that person was physically assaulting me every time I got on the elevator, I'd still go on the elevator, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> See, I think the reason that I've gotten away with this is that some people have resting bitch face and I have faux ad face. Faux ad face? Fuck okay. off and die. <laughs> and it is it is strong enough that I don't even recognize exactly how many people I'm repulsing. Because I think uh, it's, it's significant. Yeah, yeah, quite a few people, you know, and and I just I don't notice how how many people are just bouncing off. They'll be like, "Sir," and then I just keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> it it does not even sort of hit me. But one right. of the things that I'm thinking is is Derek. Let's twist this question slightly. Okay, we have a podcast. Uh huh. You know what we haven't perfected? The pitch. Our elevator pitch. Right. And so that means we can start perfecting our elevator pitch. I never thought about just pinning poor random saps in the elevator (laughs) and trying to give them the elevator pitch for the podcast. See, I I feel that that's a little bit um, predatory to do it in the building in which you work. Uh, I feel you would have to, you would have to go to like a competitor, uh, or somewhere, somewhere else that people don't know you. I mean, that, that could be a very effective tool. Like, you know, your competitors are all kind of trapped in the, uh, in the lobby or the, the parking lot because they can't get on the elevators with the person that's, that's being super annoying about their podcast. <laughs> I mean, that, that could cause some lost productivity for the competitor. And give you a competitive advantage. So here's the thing, Derek. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to sign up 10 new listeners. (laughs) My God. (laughs) Next week. Oh, Oh, God. And if you do it, you know what'll happen, Derek? You'll get this set of brand new steak knives. You're going to have to sweeten the pot a little bit. I got a lot of fucking steak knives already. And Um, coffee. Coffee's for closers. (laughs) (sighs) See, once again, it's a little bit of a miss because I don't have a very discerning palate. Um, I can can go buy fucking Dunkin' Donuts coffee and not know the difference. Uh, What else you got in that bag of of goodies to give me, Frank? All right, Derek. We're going to work on our elevator pitch together. As okay. we get to the issue from the internet. Okay. <laughs> uh, I see that with the uh, the steak knives and coffee, I had depleted your bag of tricks. That's fine. That's fine. I, I know we don't have too many Patreon supporters, so they can't, they can't fund lucrative rewards. <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> It was it was not new steak knives. It was a busted ass like old set of steak knives that I got. You bought a new around. set. Yeah, you you bought a new set and you had to get rid of the old set and <laughs> figure this is a good place to put them. And and it wasn't any like new coffee. It was like I got twenty four used Keurig K cups. <laughs> Medium or dark roast. All right, uh, this issue from the internet is titled Offensive Language Slash Behavior from Coworker in Online Game by Pillip F. Pillip says, 
Oh God, I just realized how how close that sounds to like polyp. That's gross. <laughs> Continuing on. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I am a fresh out of college student and a huge gamer. I recently got a job towards the end of this summer and met my team, which consists of a number of people who are in their late fifties. I'm a huge gamer. I just go home after work and play online games or watch people play. I decided to play this one particular game and watch a stream of it at the same time. Ah, they're gloating a little bit here. I have two monitors and only really pay attention when I'm in queue. As I am searching for streams to view, I end up finding the most senior member of my team streaming. His stream is one of those streams where you can see the person in addition to the game. Of course, being the idiot I am, I track his game down and join it. I then proceed to single him out and destroy him in the game, since I am a lot better than he is. Each time he gets more more visibly mad, which causes me to continue until he starts a very specific sexist and racial rant against me based on my username. What I thought was harmless fun ended up showing me his true colors. I'll end up seeing him this coming Monday and would like to know if I should let HR know about this story or tell him that I found his behavior extremely offensive, though I won't say it was me who did that to him. So here's my, here's my thing. Uh huh. I'm so mad, Derek. <laughs> I know there's a lot of stuff in here that can make one mad. I mean, so have to be bullshit begot of trolling <laughs> asshole. Uh huh. Like I, I am so, I am so in agreement on this. Like, okay, if this guy goes into a sexist, racist rant. Uh-huh. On Twitch, yeah, he should probably be fired. Right. However, this guy, the the original poster, uh-huh. should be fired into the goddamn sun. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. I mean, because honestly, like, like yes, like you said, if the the guy is doing like sexist, racist shit, and it's it's provable and all kind of stuff, like, like yeah. Somebody needs to be involved because he doesn't need to be doing that to other people or to clients or other coworkers, things like that. A lot, a lot of HR problems that could be could be had. Um, but like being the one to like terrorize somebody until they do such a thing uh, and then say, hey, look at how bad he was. I mean, that's fruit of the fruit of the forbidden tree. Like, yeah, this I mean, sniveling little turd. like this is this is like so many levels of bad and i did not mean because i know last week we had a question uh where we kind of shit on the question asker uh for being a turd i didn't necessarily mean to to make it two in a row but i read this one and i knew we had to talk about it no i mean i hope this little fucker listens to the podcast I'll go back uh, to the forum I found it in and leave a link to it <laughs> in a timestamp <laughs> so we can see exactly what we think about it. Because there, there is a special place in hell for people that just target somebody and just try to destroy them. Like that is, there is nothing positive to be had at all from that. Well, I mean, trolling culture 
on the whole, is like one of the most reprehensible elements of human psychology. I agree wholeheartedly. Period. Absolutely. It, it is bred entirely by people feeling that there's no consequence to their actions. Right. And so they do these, you know, mean-spirited and, and unhelpful things specifically to try and get a, a dark emotional response out of people to make themselves feel better about their shitty lives. Right. <laughs> and the internet made it much easier, like not just for video game trolling, but online, you know, forum trolling, uh, Reddit trolling in anywhere that people can have any degree of, of anonymity, you know, they're going to be dicks and that's just how it is. Like, I, I'm sure that long before the internet was born, you know, you had like some suggestion boxes where people could leave, uh, <laughs> leave anonymous comments at like a department store and somebody put in like Janice is a bitch and just put it in there so that when, you know, Janice or somebody would read it, you know, then they would get the satisfaction of having ruined someone else's day. Yeah. But <laughs> back in the day, those things weren't necessarily opened up. So the Janice had to be the person to read it out loud that is also true. in public <laughs> and respond to it within full right. view of everyone that works with them. Like it is, right. it is a specific thing of the internet where people do this kind of shit to each other so that other people can see the reaction. Like that's, that's the whole point. Right. It's voyeurism. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day, like <laughs> the, the poster can, can go to hell. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Cause the, the thing is like, like I, I don't want to like get completely exhaustive about this guy's sins, but like, I mean, first of all, he sees one of his teammates, an, an older guy, like he said that it, people in their late 50s, an older guy who is streaming, um, which good for fucking him. Like anybody who like has an interest in streaming and wants to do it and they are like they're they're good people. Like, yeah, more power to you. Like, even if you only get like 10 people watching you, like, that's fine. Like, that's cool. I, I support that. So this guy sees his elderly coworker streaming having a good know, so time. I don't know what we want to call 55 elderly, Derek. <laughs> I can late fi Okay. I, I can see <laughs> I can see the hill from where I'm at. As soon as I said the E word, I knew I was gonna have to walk it back. For somebody in their in their fifties that is that is just enjoying a game and having fun, for him to just see that and say, you know what, this, this, I will, this will not stand. <laughs> I have to shit all over this beautiful thing. So, so he decided to ruin somebody's like public thing. Like <laughs> somebody, like if somebody was in the street playing a, a guitar and he walks up and takes a dump on their, <laughs> on their guitar, like that is basically what he's, he's decided to do. Um, second of all, he stream snipes the guy. Like, what the fuck? Like, I I guess if if I were the streamer, I would be like proud that somebody stream sniped me because I feel that that's like a badge of honor at some point. Um, but like, decides to stream snipe the guy, which is for any reason never 
I mean, just never good. Like, you're never doing anything productive by stream sniping somebody. And then he just, like, decides to... I, I don't know what game this was. Like, it probably can't be, like, League of Legends or something like that, because you can't really, like, try to get into somebody's game. Um, but, like... I don't know. Maybe like is it Call Fortnite, of Duty. Derek? Is it Fortnite? Everything's Fortnite these days. It, it doesn't say. Um, but I figured that Fortnite would also be kind of difficult. I don't know what kind of servers they have for Fortnite, but um, this seems like something that's, that's slightly more persistent. Um, so maybe like Call of Duty or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, just just he just consistently shits on this guy and just just does every level of trolling that he possibly can, and then has has the gall to like be surprised when they go off in some sort of angry outburst. Of course, once again, sexist and racist stuff that that comes out even in a fit of anger is not okay. But don't be surprised that they, that they had a fit of anger period. Like, yeah, if this guy is a poor enough decision maker that he's going to have that rant while he's literally being watched, then then that's that's not good and there should probably be consequences i just think the original poster should not be privy to those consequences because he will be sealed in a rocket streaking its way to the moon (laughs) Uh, i i think that that is the that is the beginning and the end of, of that wonderful tale of of us uh riding the wave of anger from Let's shoot him into space all the way through all these other details back to let's just shoot the fucker into space. <laughs> it's a beautiful, heartwarming journey, journey, Frank. There are no winners, Derek. There are no winners. Let's punch the clock. If you'd like to send us a question to answer on air, please send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com, where you can find all of our social media links and also links to our store, Patreon, and other ways you can support the show. A big thank you to our growing list of patrons on Patreon, the latest of which is Wiley Page. Thank you very much for your uh, for your donation, and, uh, and you're going to be getting a swag pack very soon, so look for that in the mail. You lovely people have pitched in to help us make the show bigger and better, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, And guys, there is nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth, and that means if you like the show, share us with people you know and tell them all about us. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a frenemy. This has been the Work Life and Balance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that... I think we're going to have to transfer you. <sighs> I wanted a Christian-based outro so bad. Or a Christian-based sign-off so bad. <laughs> you could just start humming Creed songs. Since... No, Creed was uh, originally a band of Christians, not a Christian band. Alter Bridge, on the other hand, is a Christian band. See, you're, you keep coming up with the names of all this stuff, Derek. <laughs> Ha ha ha!